He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Today we are doing a little halfway uh, done with the U.S. Open show, uh, a little recap of the first two rounds, and today we are joined by not only uh, the great Taylor Williams, but we have my dad, uh, the legendary Hump Man. Dad, thank you for joining us today. Let's have some fun. Always good to be here with you and T-Dub. Always get fired up for any major, especially a U.S. Open, so... Uh, yeah, and we got a great leaderboard, huh, to talk about. Absolutely great leaderboard. Before we get started today, we had a Twitter follower by the name of Carson Cunningham, uh, and he just wanted to ask, wanted me to ask you a simple question. Who is the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers? Doc Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. <laughs> That's no. what I was saying after games four and five, whatever, when they blew an 18-point lead, then a 26-point lead. Doc Rivers, I mean, come on. They tried to choke it tonight, but yeah. they ended up getting the job done. Game seven there, huh? Game seven. Uh, but anyways, we're here to talk some golf, and we're halfway through the U.S. Open, T-Dub. What were your thoughts on Torrey Pines today, and what were your thoughts about the play you saw? Man, I tell you what, um, if you would have could have found any sports book and you could have found – a parlay, a two-player parlay with Richard Bland and Russell Henley as your two uh, co-leaders, you would be cha-ching, cha-ching after 36 holes. And, you know, I mean, guys, I think it's been – the course is set up so well because no one's been able to go out and just run away with this thing. I mean, we've got – the cut ended up being four over, had a lot of players end up getting in at four over the cut. And this tournament is – top 60 in ties and we got a ton of people plus force t58 so that incorporates so so many more players and i'll be honest with you guys i mean i'm scrolling down through here and um, some of the names you got like a daniel Berger at one over you got djs at two over um some other guys hideki's at three over i mean are they out of the realm of possibility a chance to win this tournament they go out and shoot maybe five or six under tomorrow which isn't out of the realm of possibility especially if they go out early in the morning absolutely not in my opinion I think this tournament is still wide open we just heard Justin Leonard say on live from that he thought that five under would be a pretty good score uh, come Sunday evening you know when I when I look at the guys at the top of the leaderboard the guy that I would be uh, scared of the most, in my opinion, if I'm Russell Henley or Richard Bland, uh, would be Louis Oosthuizen. He's been playing solid golf all year, and 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 it's not like a guy like a Matt Wolf up on the leaderboard uh, who we haven't seen much of this year. We'll get to him in a little bit. Awesome story with him, um, or or like a Bubba Watson. You you got two guys really. You got. Louis Oosthuizen and John Rahm are, are the favorites in my eyes right now. And, and Louis's gotten it done in the past. He has a US, U.S. Open-style game, uh, which really translates well, especially with how firm the course is playing this week. And so, it, in my eyes, if I had to bet on someone right now, it would be either Louis Oosthuizen or John Rahm. Do you agree, Dad? I would probably disagree because I just have a feeling Xander Shoffley, I still think, in in his hometown, I feel pretty good about where he is. I picked Rom. I picked Rom first, Shoffley second. I watched Rom today, and guys, to be honest, 
He shot one under today. He's three under for the tournament. Man, he had to make some big-time par putts in the middle of that round. Then he holds a bunker shot. You know what I'm saying? He was just keeping that round together. That easily could have been a two or three over for John Rahm. But I get what you're saying. So, I mean, Rahm, was, he was really the pre-tournament favorite. Uh, he would be, um, I guess, the guy uh, to look at going forward. But I'm saying that Xander, because of uh, how much he knows Torrey Pines, and I didn't—I I know he didn't have much success on it early on in his tour career, but uh, did recently, and I like where Xander is going into the weekend. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Xander, Xander and Rom and and really Matt Wolf too are kind of all in a position to claim that first major title that's been eluding from eluding them for for some time now. It feels like even though they're all relatively still young uh, young men, but uh, I mean you, you you scroll down here, guys, and I mean um, you even look at someone like uh, like Rory. Let me let me see where he's at. I mean he's only plus one for the tournament, so I mean he's he's definitely not out of it at T twenty one. There's just I think that. You know, I kind of make fun of people when they say Saturday's moving day because it technically really is like one of the least analytically important rounds of the tournament. They all matter at the same at the end of the day, but um, whenever you look at the course of victory. But I think tomorrow really will be a test of an actual moving day because, I mean, there's just so many players, and I'll be interested to see if – how the how they have the course tomorrow because obviously they're not mowing the rough they're keeping them the the rough long and um, you know one thing I think will happen too is that the uh, some of the players that tee off earlier may have a slight advantage because you know Torrey Pines isn't like Southern Hills where they have the sub air system and can make the greens any temperature they want um, you know with that uh, I'll, I'll do it with the drinking game the marine layer yeah. is out there which softens those greens up so it allows the uh, the earlier waves to go out and make some uh, attacks and pins and maybe the later groups couldn't and also, too, early in the morning, the POA hasn't grown up as a lot. So I think there may be some big names that go out and shoot some low scores early in the morning, but which will be like middle of the afternoon for us. Yeah, when, when I started the day-to-day, uh, especially when I went on with Steelman in Tulsa or my dad in Oklahoma City, I said that the leader would come out of that group that was tied for fifth, and that consisted of John Rahm, you had Xander Shoffley, you had Brooks Kepka, you had a bunch of guys in that, in that tied for fifth spot. Now... I really like the tide for 13th. You've got Bryson DeChambeau, Christian Bezadenhut, your boy, T-Dub. you got guys like Brandon Grace, the guy that shot the lowest score ever in a major, Colin Morikawa, and then Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka. And, then, and, and so what I'm saying is Justin Thomas, you know, he really – Helped helped himself with that back nine today uh, on Friday with a sixty finished up with a sixty nine two under on the day Morikawa four under on the day I think those two guys could be guys to really look out for even though they're tied for thirteenth and that I didn't even mention uh, Brooks Kepka so we started the day with forty guys within four shots of the lead now we only have twenty guys within five shots of the lead but. If you include those plus ones, and, and those plus ones right now uh, include guys like Rory and, and Lee Westwood and so forth. Also, Matt Jones uh, is in that group. but Colby's pick. Yeah, and, 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 Herm, <laughs> and Herman and, and Berger. I'm just saying if you include those plus ones, so that means you got, what, 29, 29 guys within uh, six shots of the lead. And so, no, you're right, Sam. There's a there's a some big names there at even par. So it's it's going to be a very interesting weekend. But I, hey, I, I think that the story's at the top of the leaderboard. Let's start there uh, with with Richard Bland uh, and uh, Russell Henley. Henley is a guy who's played in 26 majors, 
and never had a top 10 in a major. That surprised me today when I, when I heard that teed up because, I mean, he had a, he had a great, uh, you know, junior amateur career, went to University of Georgia. No top 10s in 26 majors for Russell Henley. That surprised me. And then the, the Richard Bland story is just a, a tremendous story. I mean, until a month ago, here's a guy who had never won on the European Tour in 477 tries Ooh. in 19 and a half years, 477 tries, and he's never won. And he finally breaks through at the British Masters at the Belfry in May. And you know the guy he beat in the playoff for the British Masters was Guido Miliozzi. <laughs> Guido is tied for 10th in this tournament. Guido Miliozzi is tied for 10th. And so he became the European Tour's oldest first-time winner. Richard Bland, I'm talking about, at age 48. I think he's a great story. And he said, hey, I, I knew my game was pretty good. I'm coming in here off a couple of good results, off a win, off a third in Europe. I've been driving the ball well for five, six weeks. You know what I'm saying, guys? When 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 you're hitting the ball, and we, we just watched some highlights with him hitting some pure iron shots into these greens, and they talked to Lee Westwood, who he knows well from the European Tour, and, and Lee Westwood goes, you know, Richard's always been a steady player. He says, I think it came as a surprise to everybody that it took him so long to win, but he doesn't hit many destructive shots. That's the way Lee Westwood put it. He, he, he's got an ideal game for a U.S. Open. Yeah, no doubt. And and when I look at his game, you know, we were we were talking about it earlier, you know, he has one of the best swings with his irons. It looks like it's just so compact and easy. It looks like, like you just said, like nothing can go wrong. And I think that, you know, something needs to be said about the fact that Phil Mickelson really inspired a lot of people uh, with his victory at the PGA. Uh, and even Bland talked about it uh, in his post-round press conference today. He said uh, that he's really gearing up for the Champions Tour, too. So it might be one of those things where for a long time he really uh, was discouraged and, and had not that much to play for uh, over on the European Tour, but now he sees the light with not only Phil winning, uh, but also him himself winning. And then, you know, to top it all off, he's getting ready for the Champions Tour where he can go have a, a whole new career on the Champions Tour. We've seen it from a lot of guys. You know, in all honesty, guys, we act like that, the, that Richard Bland is such a, a such a big shock. And I mean, in, in all reality, it, it is. It's a name that no one had ever had expected to see at the top of the leaderboard. But you look at his last five, tournaments guys and going back uh, backwards you know he won at at the Belfry like you mentioned Hunt man um his last tournament even um after that he finished T3 yeah and then um even before that finished 27th had a missed cup and then finished T8 before that so four out of his last five tournaments have been inside the top 27 three of which are inside the top eight and just listen to some of these end of the year world golf rankings for our man Richard Bland this is just going to tell you the type of journeyman he, that he is so yeah. it, um what I'm seeing here goes all the way back to 2000 he was ranked 694th in the world. In 2002, he got all the way up to 251st, so it looked like he was getting his game a little bit back together. Two years later, he dropped all the way down to 475. In um, about five years after that, he got up to 279 again, so he's coming back up. A year later, he's 599, dropped 300 world ranking points in one year, gets all the way back up to 107 in 2016. Two and that year, by the way, is when his brother – you know, was going through the coma and then ended up being okay. Um, and they talked about that, how when he dropped all the way down, all yep. those points, you know. Medically he, he, induced coma. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so he loses his card. That was in, in, in 2018. 
he loses his card, had to go back to the Challenge Tour at age 46. Yeah, and... and Anyways, continue. Yeah, so (laughs) after the end of 2018, you know, two years after he's 107th, he's ranked 700th in the world in in the Fisher World Golf Rankings, and now he's all the way up to 115th in the world, and... I mean that to have that amount of determination to be able to because we we talk about all the time the grind that it takes to yep. you know not only get on the tour but also to stay out there and to to show the determination that Blandis have it's it's almost one of those we talk about feel good stories I mean this would be the ultimate payoff for someone who's definitely put in the time hunt. Well, he's in a good spot at number one fifteen because you know what Phil was before the PGA. I did not know until we talked <laughs> he, before the show, so he, I'd be he cheating was, if I he said. was number one fifteen. So so yeah. When he wins the British Masters, when Bland does, that moved him from number 218 up to 115. And it also sent him to his fourth major. You know, uh, he, he had missed cuts at the 98 Open Championship and the 2009 U.S. Open at Bethpage, all right? The only cut he had ever made in a major uh, before today was at the 2017 Open Championship at Birkdale, and he actually led that championship for one hole and finished in a tie for 22nd. But that's the only time he's ever made a cut in a major before today. That's that's unbelievable. And then you asked the question uh, about Russell Henley, and Russell Henley, sneaky on the year, uh, is having one of his best years statistically, uh, probably his best overall year statistically, because he's, stro- he's positive strokes gained in every single area, uh, not by very much in the putting around the green and off the tee, but strokes gained approach, he's almost gaining a full shot on the field uh, per round. And so that totals up to plus 1.13 per round uh, for Russell Henley on the year. And so 2021, you know, he he came on onto the tour in 20, uh, let's see, 13. Uh, And so, you know, he's by far having his best year. And, and, And like you said, you know, it might be a little bit surprising that we haven't seen him, uh, like contend in some majors or you know win more but I can tell by his stats that you know something has changed this year with Russell Henley and and Bland talked about how tough it's been in his career like to to get into majors he says I've lost in a playoff four times just for this tournament talking about the U.S. Open and he said I've lost three times in in open qualifying and in playoffs just to get in either to a U.S. Open or a British Open. So he said, I could have played closer to maybe, you know, double figures in majors, but he said, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. I'm just enjoying this one right now. So, yeah, you know, we just uh, went off his year, uh, some of his year in rankings, but yet let's do our, uh, one of our weekly editions of hashtag how high. And I think we'll go ahead and throw (laughs) old Mr. Richard Bland in as our, as our pick today. Who's going to be the first to shout out that, uh, whatever you think the lowest in the world that uh, Mr. Richard Bland so has got I, over the his low, tenure. Are we going how low or how high? <laughs> or how high, I, I, okay. how high in the sense of the lowest number, I guess. It's, okay. like, it's like golf, you know. Okay. I mean, you know, you, you do high so by making birdies. I don't I'm know. guessing 115. Yep. All right. I'm going to say that um, he got up to number 97. 97. He would have liked to have gotten to 97 because no. the best he's gotten is 102nd. That was at the oh, okay. end of the uh, 2016 season. So, um, if Richard Bland is able to have a solid week this week, it might be the first time that he cranks the uh, top 100 in the official World Golf Rankings. Wow. Well, that- hey, and I love what he said in the interview a while ago where he goes, you know, I lost my card two or three times, and, and you know, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? Go get an office job. He's he says, forty-eight. I, he goes. I'm not that intelligent. He, he goes. I, I'm afraid I've always been someone. You know uh, that. 
you know, I can put my head down and work hard. And he said, I always knew I had the game to compete on the European tour at the highest level. And so, hey, I, I give it up to the guy still being out there after, what we say, 19 and a half years and 477 events before he wins that, that British Masters. I give it up to Richard Bland. I'm pulling for him this weekend. You know, in all honesty, I, besides John Rahm, who I've picked in and are one and done in numerous other places, I'll be rooting for him. But other than that, I will be rooting for the feel-good story of Richard Bland. And, you know, talk about his play this week. You know, so far we talked about how good he is with his irons. He's gained 2.58 uh, strokes approach to green over the week so that's uh, pretty solid but the thing that I'm looking at here guys and the thing I wonder if he'll be able to maintain he's gained this this kind of an ironic number he's gained 6.66 strokes on the green so (laughs) um I I mean that's just for one it's a unique number but second of all the fact of that is so high in the sense of are you going to be able to keep that going for the next two days of late Poana Greens yeah, probably and not. with, with yeah. the pressure yeah. of being a major championship. We saw Henley, you know, today as well. The, the late Poana Greens, he missed one on 18 to keep him from going bogey-free. So, you know, that, that that's happened to a lot of guys. And then you guys were talking about Patrick Reed as well yeah, before yeah, the show. Yeah, I want to I want to say something about Patrick Reed's putt because I, I picked him this week, <laughs> and so I, I have to rant a little bit. Then I want to get y'all's takes on, on one thing I noticed on the green. So, for anyone who didn't see Patrick Reed, had about a two-and-a-half, three-footer on 18. Um, nothing real hard. I mean, it was just probably a right-lip putt. I mean, and, and he teed off early in the day. It's not like we were at, uh, there at 7 p.m. Poana out there. And so, he's got this little two-and-a-half, three-footer. I'm thinking, Okay, we'll get in at one over. This is going to be a good place for the weekend. This putt didn't even sniff the hole. And not only does it not sniff the hole, it goes about six feet by. And then, like we were talking about before the show, hunt, man, there's no way that next putt's going in. No. I mean, that there was no prayer. And, you know, he wasn't the only player I noticed, and I want to get y'all's take on this. It was not only did I see a lot of short putts missed, it seemed like the speed judgment was so terrible on a lot of short putts. It seems like so many people were blowing, like they would have a three-foot putt, and they would hit it five feet by after that. Was that – you think that's just trying to take the break out of the POA and don't want it to hit the bumps? I, uh, I, I think that's exactly what it is. That's what I was just about to say is when you get on those bumpy greens, it kind of makes you want to, you know, force it in there and try and to jam it in. Try yeah. to jam it in there and not want to, you know uh, – have it bounce around and wobble when you hit it harder it's not going to wobble as much and I think that that's you, you've seen that and, and even guys that have been making the short putts are jam, jamming them in there just like we saw with uh, uh, Xander Shoffley he was doing it all day on the back nine yeah but, Oh, Those two putts cost him 20 spots. I mean, instead of being tied for 21st, he's tied for 41st. And he's, he's got got a lot of lot of work more to do tomorrow. And that and even two shots can make that much of a difference. And, you know, like I said, you, you brought up Shoffley, Sam. I mean, he was having, uh, you know, putting aggressively. And he seemed to put a, he's put a better day than he did yesterday. But kind of like you mentioned when you were on with the Huntman earlier today, yep. he is one of the few players in the field to be losing um, strokes. Is putting. he still losing strokes on the field? 0.83. Okay. 0.83. But here's, so that means he gained strokes today. Here's an interesting stat for you guys. You just brought up um, – say the name again for me, Huntman, the guy that Bland beat in the playoffs. Uh, Guido Miliozzi. Guido Miliozzi. Boy, that was fancy right there. <laughs> Guido Miliozzi has, has gained 5.65 approach to green this week and has lost 2.38 on the greens. So wow. he is not putting very well at all and is still top 10 in a major championship. That's something to talk about. But one other thing, one other higher stat I want to ask you about, Sam, your pick, Bryson DeChambeau, minus 3.32 around the green. What yeah. is he? What is he doing around the greens? I mean, it's he's put himself in some unique spots. For example, the third hole, he keeps putting himself over there in the desert for whatever reason. Where does around the green start? 
Like, if he drives it up there 30 yards from the green or 40 yards from the green, does that count? I think it's 30 yards. I think that's okay. where it starts. Maybe it's 50. I okay. think so. Um, and I've heard some people say it's 100. I know it's not 100, um, or at least I'm fairly confident. I think it's 30 yards. Okay. Pretty, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, with him, I think it's just – you know, he's leaving himself in bad spots. It's not necessarily his chipping as much as it is his game, his game plan and, and course management. I think that you cannot short side yourself, first of all, on U.S. Open courses. And I've seen him do it numerous times this week with wedges in his hands. And, and you know, that rough around the green is the deepest rough on the course. And so if a norm, norm, where normally you would have like a, you know, two foot three foot putt after uh missing the green by a foot on and having like a 10 foot chip shot you know you could have 15 feet coming back and so it, it just penalizes guys that short side themselves or miss greens in general um and then my other pick brooks kepka today i was given the stat earlier uh about how brooks kepka greens and regulation uh since 2017 have been higher than any other uh, tournament in the U.S. Open. So in the U.S. Open, Brooks Kepka was 73% uh, around there uh, hitting greens in regulation. And in every other tournament, he was actually in the 65 range. And today, I jinxed him by giving that, that stat this morning because he only hit seven greens. So... Mm-hmm. And is any take on maybe the knee might be the reason for that? We've seen – we saw pictures earlier in the week of him struggling to get upstairs. Um, may, do, do, does that scare you all at any going into the weekend? with Kepka's Not really champion? watching him because, you know, it, it just seemed like he wasn't quite as sharp today. It didn't look like he was in pain to me. but And he still managed to get it in and only two over, which is right. phenomenal on that golf course. Huh, man? Managed to get it in, but, but again, that was a struggle because I, I know at one point he had hit like – what, four out of his first 12 fairways and I think six out of his first 15 greens and Sam just gave the number and so forth. But but it was a, it was a battle for him to shoot two over. Like I said, he could have shot four or five over uh, in a heartbeat today. But he's still sitting there within five shots of the lead with, with still 36 holes to go. And so, uh, like we said, a lot of dangerous players there at even par. Uh, Morikawa, Justin Thomas, uh, Kepka. Uh, DeChambeau is right there. Your man, Christian Bazadenhut, is, is in that group at Even Park. Bazadenhut, I mean, I, we, we saw him yesterday, guys. He uh, he chipped in on 13 um, for a birdie, I believe, and then on um, and then on 18, he holed out from the fairway, um, hit one of the dirtiest little spinner wedge shots you'll ever see, hopped about a foot beyond the hole and spun back in, dropped weight. So, and, and you know, Sam told me last time, I just love my South Africans. I just love great golfers. And so, it seems like South <laughs> you Africa You love everyone keep, from South Africa. They, they just seem to keep producing good play. One thing I will say, an underrated South African, Brandon Grace, who is T13 right now, is currently losing 3.54 strokes putting so wow. far. So, if he can start figuring out how to, how to putt on Poena, he might be kind of a sneaky guy to watch out for this weekend. He had an eagle at uh, number two today. Uh, yep. Grace did. So. Oh, wow. Must have uh, – they didn't have that whole setup super short, so he must have held out from somewhere. No, he held out, yeah. Yep. Well, you know what else you need to watch out for is back problems. And you guys need to go to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma City. If you are having any issues with your back, they will get you fixed up. You know, even the smallest disorder uh, can range from a simple hitch in your backswing to a complete meltdown on the back nine. And when it comes to keeping golfers on the golf course, the Spine Clinic is dedicated to offering the highest quality spine care in Oklahoma. Their providers have the best, most up-to-date treatment options in their 
entire bag to help tailor treatment plans for each individual's concerns, and they're determined to make sure that no patient ever hears the words, nothing can be done. Even when it feels like all options have been exhausted, we hold out for hope. The providers and staff at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma City are here to use their skills and knowledge to help restore you back to a great quality of life. And the disclaimer here is the Spine Clinic does not guarantee any short game improvements. However, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think that if you have a healthy back, it's a lot easier to practice your short game. So give them a call at 405-424-5415 or visit them at thespineclinicok.com. Okay, guys, I want to get into a little bit of Matt Wolf. Matt Wolf is one of the best stories this week. He's definitely who I will be rooting for over the weekend. Matt Wolf right now sits at four under, tied for third, uh, shot a three under 68 today. We will get to more of his golf in a second, but I, I just think this is one of the best stories we've heard. After taking the time off, and he's been very open uh, about his mental health issues and everything that he's dealt with over the past few months, months and and maybe more longer than that but we haven't seen him on the golf course in the past couple couple of months and he came out with this quote in golf digest and I want to read it I think it's awesome he said I'm trying my hardest and I'm getting there, you know, but kudos to pretty much every professional athlete out there. I haven't been in this world for a long time, but it's effing hard. And I just think that that's very true uh, from Matt Wolf. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that this is something that I believe that that the tour and, and even all sports and really just the world in general is just first of all it's not it's not something that people have been willing to talk about for a long time because for someone who's dealt with mental health issues themselves it, it's hard to get out and want to seek help because I, constantly you can feel like a burden to other people because you're like oh well I'm feeling so bad about myself I don't want to get anyone else that I know involved to bring them down and then but yet I think it's I think it's fabulous that Wolf's coming out and doing this and, and Bubba Watson came out and did uh, some some things along those lines as well and you know, it just goes to show a couple things. One is that it doesn't matter if you're the most famous person in the world or just the most random person in the smallest town in America. We, you know, we everyone deals with some sort of issue. And you don't need to do a comparison game. You don't need to say, oh, well, so-and-so has it better than me so or has it worse than me, so I don't need to uh, act you know, down on myself. That's just not how it is. It's you live your life, and you need to try your best to be happy. And that's the same for every person. And I, I commemorate Matt Wolf for coming out. And, I mean, because, first of all, it takes a lot of courage to come out and say that you're dealing with these issues and to know that he's to know that he's on the right track it seems like because first of all to, to deal with any of these issues you have to address them and be honest with it and that's one of the hardest things to accept and that might be why we saw some of his uh, poor play along with the the wrist injury that he had so you know I, I it's just great to see him and I will definitely be rooting for him as well Huntman. Well Sam I got to give it up to you because you told me uh, earlier in the week and a few weeks ago you said you, mm-hmm. you saw Matt play out at out at Oak Tree National, and you said, Dad, I mean, he is on his game. He is ready. And I'm thinking, well, but, but Sam, he, he, had, he hadn't played a tournament since the Masters. I mean, it's not that easy to just go from no competitive golf and walk out there and, and play maybe the toughest tournament of the year, the U.S. Open. And so I was reminded, watching him today, <laughs> seriously, how much talent this guy has. I mean, he is an incredible ball striker, and I 
I forget. I mean, I'm getting old, and I, it's hard for me to remember week to week, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking back and looking at the summer he had last year and, you know, second in the Rocket Mortgage and so forth, and all of a sudden at the PGA, his first major, and he ties for fourth, and then a month or so later at the U.S. Open, he's second. He's got top four finishes in his first two majors. Are you kidding me? But And then he went ahead and finished tied for second at the Shriners Hospital uh, Children Open in the very next week, or his next tournament after that U.S. Open, okay? And then I had forgotten basically how far he had fallen. And, and obviously, if you're going through all this stuff, your mind is not on your game. I guess that tells us exactly how important the mental aspect is to sports and to having success at, at, in anything you're doing in life. Because, you know, a, after that, after uh, tying for second at the Shriners, his results were in stroke play events, 73rd, a T50, a miscut, a T40, a WD, a T36, T64, another WD. He did tie for 28th at, at, at the match play and then, you know, the DQ at the Masters. And, and so that's a pretty tough stretch there, and he's going through a whole lot. And for him to just resurface and do what he's doing this week, I think is just amazing. Well, and it makes what he did look kind of genius, you know, it, of – you know, not a lot of guys would have the guts to right. take two to months off. And and Matt That's Wolf right. did and said, I need this for myself. And I think that that took a lot of courage yeah. to me. And you were mentioning his ball striking. He's second in strokes gained approach, approach this week, only to Russell Henley. Uh, Matt Wolf has gained 4.33 shots on the field approach this week. Yeah, and with along with three point five two off of the tee box. So I right. mean, the 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 tee the tee game and the ball striking is just superb right now. And you know, this is kind of this is kind of the point to allude to you, Hunt Man, when you talk about Matt Wolf's talent. He's the ultimate because people look at his swing and they think that that's the, the hallmark. What I see when I see Matt Wolf is. Like, you know when you're watching a tournament on Saturday or Sunday and they've got, like, a tough par three or it's a tough long par four and they'll come through and they'll be like, oh, there's only been one person birdied this hole all day or no one's birdied this hole. And and Wolf can just birdie it like it's nothing. You know, he yeah. can make any hole out there a birdie hole. And there's – even though, Even with how great of golfers every one of these are – not he has one of the few talents, even a tight not not to the quite tigeress, but the same effect that Tiger had. Clutch right? gene. It doesn't matter what hole it is or how today, it's set up. Number seven, number seven today is 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 a tough hole. He he birdied seven. He birdied t- ten. Was giving people a tough time today at times. He birdied, he birdied seven and ten today. He hits it at that second shot onto the green at eighteen. It just reminds me how much talent he has putting an iron on onto that green at 18 and, and set up a birdie there. But, yeah, he shoots three under today. He's tied for third. He's right there one shot out of the lead. Uh, so, uh, again, I didn't see this coming. I, I, it, to me, I, I just know how hard it is. It's not that easy to just step right back out there in the U.S. Open on a very tough golf course. The, the toughest course. tournament in, yeah. the, in the world. And, I mean, we see that rough out there. But, like you, but like you said, uh, Manny finished fourth in, at uh, Harding Park last year, PGA, yeah. and then finished second um, to Bryson. Would have won the Wingfoot. U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Yeah, yeah if, um, if Bryson just hadn't gone out on a tear. And, you know, you mentioned seven and ten. Uh, man, this is how hard those holes are playing. His birdies on those holes, on seven he gained 1.21, and on ten he gained uh, 1.4. So both those holes wow. were playing over a stroke over par. Yeah, and he talked about his putting after the round. He said, uh, you know, 
in the first round, he kind of was making a bunch of putts. And in this round, he felt more confident in his game, uh, but wasn't really rolling them in. And he's one of the best putters I've ever seen live. And if he, he can definitely get, a, get the right. putter hot. And if he does, he might be the man to beat. That's a good point. What, his putter really wasn't that hot today. So, like, like I said, when we looked at the leaderboard a while ago, I mean, like Rom, to me, Rom was just piecing it together with some big parpas and holding in from a bunker or this or that. Uh, Matt, Matthew Wolf, he shot three under today, and he really he could have shot six under. I to, mean, he hit it that well. To yeah. go to that point of Rom, he gained two point two four shots on the field around the green. Okay, and this week that's kind of unheard of. Like like Matt Wolf, he lost over a shot or almost a shot on around the green. Yeah. So here, here's one thing else I want to point out about Matt Wolf. I mean, it, it was one of the biggest storylines of the tournament yesterday. I mean, he had eight birdies and only shot one under par. So he had, what do you have, two doubles and then three bogeys on top of that? Today, guys, the only bogey was on the second hole and yeah. had a fairly clean scorecard. Well, so, I mean, goes. I mean, really give him credit for being able to clean, clean up all those big mistakes that, that he had. That's what I said when I was on with you. I said it can go up or it can go down yeah. for Matt Wolf, you know, because when you have eight birdies and then you have two doubles, it's kind of a roller coaster right. you're like am I going to go out tomorrow and not make any birdies or am I going to go out tomorrow and play great and he hit the ball great and it was kind of just a really consistent round from Matt Wolf it was kind of the opposite of yesterday well yesterday I mean yesterday he only made five pars in 18 holes you know and, and yeah. he made he made six pars on the front nine today what did you say so, Sammy is the first guy in 40 years to do that did to you hear that eight, eight birdies and two doubles first, and I did hear yeah. you say on first guy said. first guy in 40 years uh, to make eight birdies and two doubles or worse. It's, and this is any round, right? This isn't just any round. This isn't just major championships. This is no. I think it, this was U.S. Open. Oh, yeah, this, US, yeah. US this was U.S. Open. US Open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but but still though, he, but, well the the biggest thing there is who in the hell makes eighteen or makes eight birdies in a round of U.S. <laughs> Open? So I mean that yeah. eliminates a lot yeah. of people right hey. there because that's been done like twice. Probably. Hey, and by the way, number seven was one of those he doubled yesterday and comes right back and birdies it today. So. Played it one over for two yeah. days. How, how good of a well, feeling is that whenever you double a hole one day, then the next okay. day you just birdie, you just get sweet revenge. Oh, it's so good. So yeah. Okay. Good. Now, now, Sam, we got to talk about your guy Bryson DeChambeau because <laughs> my guy, he he did come back today. I mean, he's he's back in this tournament, like you said. He, he's in that group at at uh, even par, tied for 14, shoots two under today. Uh, he's back to even for the tournament. But guys, did you hear what he said? That that he while he was sleeping. He, he fixed his game. He, he said, you know, the, the, the changes he needed to make. And he was out there on the range last night, and he was beating range balls under the lights. And then he was still hitting range balls after they turned the lights off last night. And he just, he says, I, I walked off pretty frustrated uh, because, you know, he, he couldn't figure it out. And he says, it came to me in the middle of the night. And so I went out and tried it, and it worked. And he said what he tried was he had to keep his right wrist bent a lot longer through impact and he tried it today and he goes out and shoots the 269 i mean if i this is this is exactly why i didn't want to play professional golf because you're playing against guys like that that you know you know what i mean that that are thinking about golf swing stuff in the middle of the night it's just so crazy that he said that because i mean i played golf earlier today and i obviously this didn't happen in the middle of the night but i thought the exact same thing and that that goes to show maybe why he was hitting it more solid because even i hit some more solid uh, shots today so that's good and you know one thing i remember is that um 
you know, like for example, during the uh, Tiger HBO documentary when they had Stevie on there, and they made the point of they were driving down the road one day, and, and Tiger made him pull over on the side because yeah. he had to get a club out and get that yeah. feel for it. Yeah. You know, there's there's just a different breed of player, you know, and it's like you couldn't have waited the 30 minutes or the 20 minutes till till we park wherever we need to. You got to get it fixed right then, and you know, guys, sometimes epiphanies come at you in the middle of the night, and you know, we we talk about it all the time with the the approach to green stat. He's only point eight strokes um, approach to green, which is from where he's putting himself. If he can take advantage of well, that, I think he's gonna he could end up winning the tournament by it, multiple shots. Yeah, he's number one in driving again, gaining over three shots on the field uh, this week. And I thought that's why I picked Bryson DeChambeau is because I thought he could overpower Tory a little bit where a lot of people can't. And and it looks like you know. Off the tee, he's doing it, but around the greens, he's not. Yeah, so. and let me ask you, Sam. If I would have told you on uh, Tuesday when we did our preview show, on Friday night, uh, Bry- uh, Bryson would be gaining 3.75 off the tee and 4.29 on the green, what would you have thought? He'd be yeah, in the lead. lead. Yeah, By multiple or, shots. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he is he, – he's, what, five back? I mean – or six back. Five, five back. back. Five, yeah. five back, yeah. So, I mean, it's – it's right there for him in the taking, and so I, I think that he's just on that list of names that can make a run tomorrow. While we're talking about my pick, I want to talk about your pick, Rory. Before the day, in his last six majors, when shooting under par in the first round, finished top ten. And so it it was kind of one of those weird rounds where, you know, Rory uh, kind of went backwards instead of forwards after the first round in a major. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we normally we're accustomed to him seeing that on Sunday is when he's kind of fallen off. But, you know, one thing I want to look at, guys, is that uh, yesterday one of the main storylines was that he wasn't playing the par fives very well. Um, he had only um, – Let's see, I believe he played he played the par fives even yesterday because he was ended up making a birdie on 18. And he birdied 13 and 18 uh, today, and, along with 9. So he was able to get the par fives back going. And I believe he was either the leader or one of the leaders in the last probably, I think it was five years, I saw the stat on par five scoring in majors. Actually, I know he, he was number one because, check this out, guys, the other two guys, uh, second and third on par five scoring, and I believe it was in the last 10 years. Jason Day and Ricky Fowler, two guys not in the field this week. I thought that was very, wow. very interesting that uh, two uh, that some of the best par five players in major championships weren't aren't able to even get in the field. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, about Rory, he was able to capitalize on the par five, which was really the only thing that kept him going because he had um, seven bogeys today. Which is that's when you know you're just you just kind of don't have it. You're either um, you know just missing yourself in the wrong spots or you're not you're not taking opportunities. You're not able to gain any momentum when you do that because anytime you get something going your way, you just add another square on the score card which takes you out of it yeah it's a roller coaster i mean from 11 to 16 he didn't even have a par i mean he bogeys 11 birdies on 12 and 13 and then three straight bogeys 14 15 16 like you said t-dub he gets the par five he gets uh number 18 just to keep himself afloat um but but uh on, on the back nine again three bogeys and four holes from two to five and he saved his round with, with birdies at, at, at six and nine. So he's at least still in the golf tournament, uh, sitting there one over par, uh, two over for the day, one over for the tournament. He's got a long way to go, but, but at least those, those two birdies late uh, kept him in the hunt. I, I want to talk about two guys real quick that we haven't really talked about, not even really on the, on the preview show uh, or, or this show, is Kevin Streelman. 
Kevin Streelman played really well at the PGA at Kiowa. Um, he's sitting at two under, tied for seventh right now, shot a 69 today, uh, 140 total. Uh, what have you seen from Kevin Streelman, T-Dub, or, or Dad? You know, what have you seen uh, so far this week or, or something at Kiowa that's kind of making him play better golf lately? Yeah, I mean, he's he's really been flying under the radar, playing good golf all the way up to uh, to 50, uh, 54th in the world. He ended 2019 at uh, 122nd, so over the course of about a year and a half has been able to move up quite a bit of spots. Just reading off some of his last finishes going back, um, T13, T20, uh, T8, T26 miscut, T33, T9, T36. So, I mean, that's uh, – what is that there? Uh, seven of eight cuts. Cut straight made in a row. So I mean, and one of those was the uh, was the match play where he was able to make it on to the uh, to the round of eighteen and, or round of sixteen. So I mean, he's been playing some quietly steady golf. And like you said, Sam, he was for a, for a short amount of time. He was one of those guys up there with uh, with Phil and Louie and um, gosh dang it, who's the third one that was with him? I, I just slipped my mind. Um, nevertheless, he he was up there for a little bit and then ended up falling apart. So, um, but no, I think he's just like I say, he's been under the radar, and it would not entirely shock me if he made a run. Um, Data Golf currently has him as a two point four percent chance, so it would be a, a pretty big flyer. But uh, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me for sure, Sam. Yeah, you know. Off the tee this week, he's almost losing half a shot on the field, but he's gaining it all around the green. Three shots gained on the green for Kevin Streelman. And so, you know, I I really like his chances coming down uh, the stretch here just because he was there at the PGA in the last major and maybe he learned some stuff and he's a veteran guy. Um, He might be able to be a steady presence uh, out there. And then another guy I want to talk about real quick, is Scotty Scheffler. He's lurking uh, at tied for 10th right now. Uh, you know, on the day, uh, today, Scotty Scheffler shot a 69. He's sitting at one under total. Uh, I mean, those one-unders are right in the ballgame. You know, I'll say this about about Scotty is that I, I mentioned earlier about uh, about Richard Bland at 6.66 putting, and I'm worried about, you know, if, if he's going to be able to keep that up. Scheffler's leading the field so far with 7.54 strokes gained on the green. I mean, he really? is just making wow. everything. Or if he's if he's got a long putt, he's definitely two-putting it. And so, once again, is that something that he can keep up? Minus 1.41 off the tee so far. Only .45 approach to green. So, that, that'll be something to keep your eye on. But, you know, we all know this, guy's. You know, whenever you win tournaments, it's because that putter gets hot. You know, obviously the ball striking's there, but you got to make the eight to, the eight to twenty footers to win, especially major championships. And, and so, if he's able to keep the rock going, he might be able to scramble his way around enough to hoist the trophy on Sunday. Because I think we all know Scotty Scheffler will have at least one major by the time his career's done. Hey, and the other guy that's under par, tied for tenth right now, that I think is a little under the radar is Patrick Rogers. And, guys, when they were talking about him today, I was reminded. I mean, at one time, remember coming out of college? I mean, he was, what, T-Dub, like three-time All-American. He was won the Haskins Award. I mean, he was the guy in college golf for a time there. And he's been out there for, like, six years or so. But he was in that group with Tiger's record and all all these guys. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, as far as winning tournaments and so forth. And, um, you know, just – Obviously, obviously, he's a good player. He wouldn't be out on tour. But I'm just saying that this was a guy who was supposed to be another one of the young guns, like like Jordan Spieth or Scotty Scheffler, guys who have come out and had uh, you know some immediate success. 
and and Patrick Rogers is sitting there under par in the top ten this golf tournament. Yeah, no, I I, I remember famously back in um, I believe it was twenty seventeen. Um, I made a bet with with some of my friends. I said, "There's two players outside the top hundred in the world right now who will be inside the top fifteen in a year." I said, "Tiger Woods and Patrick Rogers," and I was one for two because Patrick <laughs> Rogers was not the other one. Um, I'll, I'll save the time for hashtag how high because I just looked it up. Um, he's uh, he, his highest rank of all time is ninety four, which is really shocking to me because, like you said, Hunt man, he came out and lit the college world on fire. Went to Stanford for anyone who wasn't aware, won eleven times there, and uh, that actually I thought it broke Tiger's record as well. And says it tied Tiger's record at uh, 411, and also Tiger played uh, less years, but nevertheless, um, still a great accomplishment to have. And the thing I've always worried about with with Patrick Rogers is that I mean he's he's got a, a Joaquin Neiman esque uh, back torque on him, but it seems like over the last couple of years he's dealt with a wrist injury, so that's mm-hmm. the thing that's holding him back. But but you know, guys, um, obviously a California guy or went to school in California. He was um, I, well, it says right here he lives in Florida. So but I think he grew up in California, so he know he at least knows that area fairly well. So I think that he he's definitely a guy who still only twenty eight years old, guys. I mean, so it's not like that he's uh, you know a uh, far, you know, 46. He's not a Richard Bland by any stretch of the imagination. So he's got a lot of time, and I think that he would be a sneaky, you know, get on the sports book, Sam. I think he might be a sneaky uh, top five value you might be able to get because I think he could have two solid rounds this weekend. Yeah. Okay, guys, here's my quiz for today. Um, Webb Web Simpson had the streak for the most consecutive cuts made in majors. He had made 16 in a row before this week, and Webb Simpson missed the cut today. Uh, so his streak has gone by the wayside. So now, who holds the record right now, the, the current record for most consecutive cuts in majors, the, act, the longest active streak? Active streak. Man, that's it. Kepka? He's up near the top of the leaderboard right now. Kepka? It's not Kepka. Uh, it's not Kepka. It's a guy who's... Louis Eustazen? It's Louis. Was, was, it's Louis, the man who's... who's Sorry, T-Dub. No, no, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> he's got the slam. Uh, Louis come in second in all four majors, right? He, yeah. He's, yeah. he's got that slam going for him. But Louis uh, has made 13... Well, I guess with, with today, I guess it's up to 14 consecutive cuts uh, in majors. And then uh, right behind him, two guys that kind of surprised me, the next two as far as consecutive streaks, Harris English... With twelve and Cameron Smith with eleven, I think that doesn't that uh, that was before today. Cameron Smith, I think, also missed the cut. Yeah, he did. Uh, yep. th- yep. This missed week, one. good news for Louis Oosthuizen is the fact that twenty-three of the last twenty-five winners of the U.S. Open have been within two shots, and Louis falls into that category right now. That would consist of Richard Bland, Russell Henley, Louis Oosthuizen, Matt Wolf, Bubba Watson, John Rahm. Out of those guys, who would y'all pick? Because 23 of the last 25 winners have been within two shots at the U.S. Open. Before I pick my winner, is that not a crazy stat for what should be one of the more volatile tournaments that, that they play crazy. with how tough it mm-hmm. is? That I mean, I guess it's one of those well, you, get, you get out to a lead. And it then, might make sense because guys aren't making birdies coming from behind. That's true. You, you, would, you would think that maybe some leaders would, would come down, but and who knows, maybe, uh, you know, because I think we're all expecting Richard Bland to probably come out and not have his best stuff tomorrow, but I hope that he does. But I, I, I'm, I'm really shocked by that. If I had to go with off one of those guys, um, I would probably, even though I picked him, which is the kiss of death, I mean, Rom's got to be the favorite right now. I mean, I, I, I truly think so. He's, he's Over just Louis? Playing. 
I, I think so. I mean, one of the things about Louis too is that I know Rom doesn't have that major. Louis does have the one at St. Andrews, but Louis sure has finished second a lot. And that, I mean, that's something that that we talked about. We talked about with uh, about with Higo last week. I mean, it's Rom's you, never won one either. That, that, that's I mean, that's what but I was he's saying. Young. I was just. I mean, Louis's been out there for a long time. Now, hey, John Rom's number three player in the world. He's coming off the Memorial where he had a six shot lead through fifty four holes, and I know he's the number three ranked player in the world right now. But he's the number one ranked player in my eyes. I, I think he's the best player in the world. He's right been now. playing the best. Yeah. Whenever he's been you look at the stats best. and everything, yeah. that, that that's exactly. Exactly right, T Dub. And so, and so, hey, there, there's a reason that that uh, whether it was the odds makers, he's a sentimental choice, obviously coming off uh, what happened to him at the memorial. But he's been playing some darn good golf. I mean, you just look at look at his finishes here recently, and um, there's a reason that that uh, he was predicted to win this week. And so, yeah, you probably got to pick him going into the weekend. But there's there's great, great storylines, right? I mean, because Louie has been up there a number of times. Shoffley, I mean, what is it, uh, T-Dub? Six U.S. Open uh, for, for Shoffley that that he's had. Is it top ten finishes? I don't have that stat I'm in pretty front sure, of me right I'm pretty now, sure it's something along those lines. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, it's been – It's he, he plays the U.S. Opens tremendously and finished second here. No um, worse – no wor- I'm sorry, no worse than a tie for six in his last four U.S. Opens. That's it. That's the stat I was looking for, for, for Shoffley. Um, so, no, I mean, it's a heck of a leaderboard. Kepka fell off a little bit today, but he's not out of it. Hold that thought real quick, Dad. How about we take a break, and then we'll get to our picks right after the break, and we're going to do a little game between us three uh, and make some picks in a little bit of a different format than we normally do because it's halfway through uh, the tournament. We'll give you a little update on our DraftKings, and then we still have uh, some Corn Ferry to talk about. It, it looks like the Oklahoma Open up there uh, in Wichita. So right after the break, stay with us. This is the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. All right, rolling along here on the 73rd hole. T-Dub, would you please update everybody on what's going on up in Wichita on the Corn Ferry Tour? As I alluded to before the break, it seems like a bunch, a bunch of Oklahoma guys are having good weeks up there. 
Yeah, it really seemed like it was the Oklahoma Open and still is. I mean, for the long, I mean, we got uh, a PJ Tour U graduate Austin Eck wrote um, OSU's finest up there at 10 under. Only three back of the lead right now, guys, at T3. Went 64-66 first two rounds. That's really solid play. Um, Crestview, it's a, it's definitely a gettable golf course, but it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So some of these scores these guys are shooting are really incredible. Then, you know, we get down here, one stroke below Eck wrote at the minus nines. We got, we got a parethola of the OU boys we got um michael gellerman bob gellerman uh shout out to uh to old bob good to see that he he had a rolling actually a little bit better made a couple of bogeys coming in that dropped him down a little bit more garrett rebound another pj2u graduate uh coming off the horrible nationals and uh, bad play last week able to get up there in the top five currently we'll see if uh see if his form's able to hold up uh the next two days and then a friend of the show taylor moore who hosted uh, such a fabulous tournament out there at kicking bird is also at minus nine has gone 63 68 uh, the last two days. A um, couple couple other Oklahoma guys in there. Peter Uline is currently T26 uh, along with Kevin Doherty, both OSU guys. Josh Creel, a member out at, at Oak Tree, along with Rian Gibson. They're both sitting at minus 5, T35. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a, immaculate. And then also, um, for in the show, Quade Cummings, who Monday qualified mm-hmm. and made the cut. Uh, he's in at 4 under right now, um, T45. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that could uh, happen this weekend, guys when it comes to these uh, um, corn fairy rankings, which we talk about all the time, how volatile and how, um, you know, just how tight everything is. I mean, heck of a start by Austin Eckroat to his corn fairy career, right, Dad? Oh, a tremendous start for Eckroat, like T-Dub said, to be uh, 10 under par and and right now uh, T3 in that tournament. Uh, But but Gellerman had the lead to himself at one point with four holes to go, and then uh, he bogeys two of his last four holes. He started on the back nine, and he had it going. I mean, he, he starts on number 10, birdies 10, 13, 14, 15. Birdies four out of his first six holes today uh, was on fire. But then, like we said, he uh, had bogeys at six and eight coming in, uh, two of his last four holes. Still a 67, and he's in that group, uh, like T-Dub said, with rebound. Uh, tied for fifth right now and only uh, four shots out of the lead. Yeah, and, you know, so to put it into perspective, we're talking uh, Ekros T3, all these other 900s T5. There's only one guy one guy at 13 under, Harry Hall, and then uh, another guy at 11 under, uh, Eric Barnes. Um, so, I mean, it's not necessarily like they're chasing from eight to nine back. I mean, all of these guys are within four shots of the lead, two, two shots within second place. So, I mean, I'm – Anything can really happen, and we know this guy's, I mean, just as much as anyone. I mean, right now with T5, if you drop from minus 9 to minus 8, you'll go from T5 to T16. And so the amount of difference that the that the uh, the Corn Ferry points rankings make just based off of one stroke is going to change everything, Sam. No doubt. And I think the best story of this week is Garrett Reband kind of finding some form again at nine under, uh, tied for fifth right now. It's great to see him uh, getting things back rolling after the obvious slump that he went through at the end of his college career. Uh, I'm really rooting for him to start playing some good golf. And then, uh, I, I, I mean, I'd love to see any one of these Oklahoma Oklahoma guys uh, win this tournament. I, I just absolutely love uh, Bob Gellerman. He's one of the nicest guys out there. Michael Gellerman, we call him Bob, uh, or Austin Eckroat. That would be huge for Austin Eckroat. That would maybe vault him up into a chance to make the top 25. Well, and, and we talked about that, how the fact that uh, Gellerman uh, bogeyed two of his last four holes, and, and if you look at it, 
Reband also stumbled a little bit at the end. He, he bogeyed two of his last three holes on, on uh, bogey in 16 and 18. And then, uh, as T-Dub said, Taylor Moore is also in that group uh, tied for fifth at nine under par. And Taylor Moore bogeyed his last two holes, 17 and 18, so it could have been a lot better. T-Dub, what are those last three holes at Crestview? I've never played there. Uh, Crest, yeah, so let me pull up the scorecard real fast. I just want to make sure. I know that 18, so 18 – it was a par five when I played it. It's a, a converted par four. As you can see, it's actually ranked as the hardest hole on the course, so that goes to explain it. It was like a, a 500-something yard. It was pretty short par five when I played it. Um, eighteen or 17 is a par three. It says it's 186. I remember it being a little longer than that. Um, maybe it's because it's playing into the wind, so it's one of those kind yeah. of long, longer par threes. And then 16 is a, a relatively shorter hole. Um, it's ranked fi- it's, uh, 383. It's ranked as the 15th hardest hole of the week. So nothing in particularly super special. But Crestview really has a lot of a lot of character to it. it it's one of those courses where you, it, it's not like a Carson Creek where you can't miss on either side. Generally, there's one side of the hole that you can miss on. And that's one of the reasons I like it is because I think it's a great course strategy uh, golf course because, like I said, you could take advantage of it. Is it tree-lined or native? Uh, tree-lined. Tree-lined. For, for the most part, yeah. yeah. And a little bit of water here or there. But, uh, but yeah, majority tree-lined. So you're, you're normally given an opportunity to rebound if you do hit a bad shot. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I thought it was a great course for all these Oklahoma guys. And I also uh, left out one guy who made the uh, made the cut with uh, OU ties. Grant Hirschman's in at three yep. under. And so I, I want to ask you all real quick before we get on some of those other guys, uh, Quay Cummings was sixth on the PJ Tour U rankings. Wasn't able to get into that uh, that status that we had um, always that had wanted him to get. Reband end up getting the fifth spot. Ends up to Monday qualifying in now T forty five. I mean this this has got to be some good signs for for Quaid here on his journey to the tour. No doubt, Quaid will make the PGA Tour at some point. He he works too hard and he has too much talent not to. So I'm not that worried about that but I do wish that he would get more corn fairy starts because he definitely has the talent and definitely has the game I ran into him this week I know he has an exemption into the 3M so fabulous which, which is the tournament that that Wolf won yep. uh right right mm-hmm. uh but uh anyway so and, and Quaid says hey it's it's easier to get an exemption on the PGA tour than the corn fairy tour so these yeah. are hard to come by so like you said if you can Monday into it uh, that, that's great stuff no doubt well dad how about you help me explain how we're going to be making these picks <laughs> so we're doing a little halfway through the US Open game uh, and basically we have four groupings that we will pick players from but I'll let you go ahead and explain it uh, to all the listeners to help the listeners makes sense yeah it's our man brad lund he always has these contests halfway through the majors and so they they uh, give you four groups of golfers and and so you know group one has has all the leaders i mean it's everything from five under all the way down to even par so uh, out of all those golfers between five under and even par you just select four golfers yep uh you know uh for, for going forward so now obviously if you select uh, Bland or Henley, and you know you got a five-shot lead versus the guys that are uh, back at even. So it's right not now. just how but they score on the weekend. It's not just how they do on the weekend. It's how they do overall. Their, Their overall, overall score. score. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you pick. So in in this contest, you pick four guys from that group. So everyone from from five under down to even, you're going to pick four golfers. All right. In group two, it's all the one and two unders. 
And so you're going to pick three golfers from every one, uh, one and two one overs. One and two overs, one, yep. one or two over. So you're going to pick three golfers from the uh, group of, of one and two over golfers right now at the halfway point. So just uh, three from that group. And then you got group three is everyone at three over par. All right, there's a big group there at, at three over par right now, and you're going to select two golfers from that group. And then the final one is uh, the group at four over par, and you're going to select one of the four overs. And so that's so so you're you're going to end up with uh, what seven, nine, ten golfers. Yeah, you're going to end up with with uh, ten guys on your team. Yep. So and, and scrolling it through right right through here, guys, it seems like each pool will have anywhere between twenty and roughly fifteen players to pick from. So I mean, you yeah. got a little bit of variety yeah. to choose from. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and start it off uh, with group four. We'll go lowest to highest, right? Okay, so we'll go the guys that made the cut on the number at plus four. You get one guy uh, from plus four, and I'll go ahead and give mine. I'm going to go with Shane Lowry. He was one of my DraftKings picks coming into this week, and, uh, and I'm glad that he made the cut on the numbers, so I'm going with Shane Lowry. Not a bad pick there. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with, I thought about Spieth, but with the way I've seen uh, Spieth um, play so far this week, I think that he's kind of in that phase where he'll finish around 40th or something like that. Give me Paul Casey down there. I mean, okay. he's, he's 1.5 off the tee, uh, 1.52 around the green actually, not putting very well, but I think he'll get that figured out on the weekend, and Paul Casey's one of those guys who always plays better from behind as opposed to with the lead. All right, I'm going to go with, with Jordan Spieth. I, I, I give it up to Spieth uh, for what he did because, what was he, 77? Was he six over? I mean, a, after the first round and uh, looked like he wasn't going to make the cut. So he battled back today, shoots a two under par today. I'm, I'm going with Jordan Spieth. I, I will say a dark horse pick here, as I mentioned him on our preview show, uh, South African against him, Wilco Niember, gaining 4.01 off the tee with those bombs that he's hitting. So, I wow. mean, he might be able to make a run at him if he keeps that up. By the way, Jordan Spieth losing over half a shot off the tee this week. That mm. was pretty predictable. I said he would miss the cut. Looks like he made it on the numbers. So, uh, we're going with group three now. Uh, all the guys at plus three. I will read off my two. I'm going with Reed and Woodland. I think that Woodland is not out of this tournament yet. He's been hitting it well, you know, struggled on the greens a little bit today. But I think that Gary Woodland uh, and Patrick Reed are my two picks for three over. Yeah, you know, I, um, I'm i kind of I, – I, I hope you're right, especially on Patrick Reed. And I'm kind of surprised that we're going with two different golfers. And Woodland was in that group, like we mentioned, Sam, guys that really like Tory. Um, give me Hideki is one of the is okay. one of my picks, and then um, my other one. Gosh dang, where'd it go? Um, give me Mr. Skill, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Okay. He is uh, gaining two point oh eight off the tee and two point seven nine approach to green. Has not been putting very well, but when you're ball striking like that, you're going to put yourself in position. I expect him to have a pretty good round tomorrow. Boy, Hideki got off to a rough start today. Did six you, over through four. <laughs> six over through four holes. Uh, yeah, he goes double and then bogey, then another double, then bogey's a par five. Bogey's number wow. 13. And, and he's third birdied, on number 10. And then I think – Birdied 14, yeah. Didn't he birdie the next hole after that Yeah, too? he did, yeah. yeah. Or uh, I know he birdied 14 after the uh, six on 13. Bounce back step. Okay. Anyway, okay, my two golfers from group number three, uh, all the three overs right now, I'm going to go with – I got to stay with Patrick Reed. I mean, he was my number three pick coming into the tournament. <laughs> I hated the three putt at 18 today. There's no way he should even be in this plus three category. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I yep. mean, he should be plus one right now, as we said. Uh, but I, I'll stick with him. I'll go with Patrick Reed. I got to go with Cantley. 
So I, I like that. I, I was surprised yeah. you didn't say Cantley. I was going to, but I like what I've seen from Woodland. I, I think I'll, he can play some good golf. I'll on say the this about Cantley, and this is the reason I didn't pick him. Uh, so far this week, guys, minus three point five six approach to green. Wow, that really? I, yeah, that from a pr- pretty solid iron player. That's, that's horrible surprising. iron play, and that's something that's not going to be able to hold up for two rounds. That's very surprising. All right, Group Two. These are all the golfers at one over or two over par. Uh, I am going with. All the guy, all of my guys are going to be uh, at one over par, and I'm going with Rory McIlroy, uh, Brian Harmon, uh, friend of the show, uh, Scott Tway, and then uh, who is his caddy, and then I'm going with Daniel Berger. Very nice. Very, yeah, yeah. I, de- I definitely I considered Berger. I think Berger's a good option. Um, obviously, Rory was um, my top DraftKings pick this week, so I'm, I'm going to stick with Rory. I'm going to drop down two over. Give me DJ. I think he's always got a chance to make a, a weekend run. And then this is a guy I mentioned um, as a uh, – I didn't put him in my DraftKings lineup, but a guy I thought about. He's in at one over playing pretty well. Kind of a, a, a little uh, sneaker pick here. Give me Charlie Hoffman in that okay. group. Yeah, I, I, I think San Diego that, guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it plays, pr- plays well at Torrey throughout the years. I think I think he'll have a top 15 finish when it's all said okay. and done. I like that uh, teed up. I almost I, I almost pulled the trigger on Charlie, but I didn't have the guts to because I, I, I like your point on you went with Rory, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Rory and DJ. We both went Rory. He went DJ. Okay. I went Berger and Harmon. Rory, DJ, I'm going with. And then my other guy, Lee Westwood. Give me Lee Westwood, the guy that finished third place, was almost in that playoff with Tiger and Rocco 13 years ago in 2008. And he's had some pretty uh, decent form at times this year. So give me Lee Westwood as my other pick from uh, that group number two. Okay, well, now we are going to group one, uh, and that consists of everyone from the lead at five under all the way down to even par. Uh, so I am going to go with John Rahm, Louis Eustazen, Bryson DeChambeau, and Xander Shoffley. I am going straight chalk in this first group. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's – that's going to be pretty much the way that that it goes for for most people. I am definitely although, but you're losing. I'm losing shots here because I'm picking Bryson DeChambeau, who's at even par, uh, and he's five back of those leaders right now. But I'm just banking on the, his final score is going to be lower than Bland or Henley or some of these other guys at the top. So you're not 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 feeling Wolf. I, I didn't put Wolf in there just because I I kind of like. Uh, Bryson, how he played today, and I think that he could throw some low ones at him. I think that maybe after tomorrow, Wolf and Bryson might be tied, and then I would take Bryson. Yeah, that would be an interesting pairing if, if, if we were to see that. I know we've been wanting the Brooks-Bryson, but I think Wolf-Bryson would be very entertaining to watch considering that's what we had last year in the final group. So I'll go with three of the same, Sam. I'll go with uh, Rom, Louie, and Xander. And then instead of Bryson, I'll go with another guy at even par. Give me Morikawa. Shot four, like shot four under today. He had the four over yesterday, so was able to come back and, and play a little better. And I think that just w- with how solid of a ball striker he is, I think that he's going to be able to get around get around that course pretty well. So, yeah, give me uh, – give me um, definitely Morikawa. give me Morikawa. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was solid today, T-Dub. That, that, that's a great pick there. Uh, yeah, I, I got three of the guys you all had, I think, <clears throat> with uh, Rom and Louie and Shoffley. I, I – I thought about going down further, but but Matthew Wolf he impressed me. I I was very impressed with what I saw from Matthew Wolf. I might today. regret not taking Wolf. You know he did. I mean I know that at Wingfoot, you know Wolf had the lead, and then then you know DeChambeau blew him away in the last round. Wolf still finished second in the tournament, so that could happen again on the weekend. 
but I was very impressed because, like we said, if Wolf had, if he had dropped a couple of putts, it could have been even better today. So give me Matthew Wolf uh, for for my number four pick. I like there. it. Uh, Louis, Rom, Shafley, and Wolf. All C- right. Couple couple notes from our pool. One is that none of us took any of the two leaders. Probably not a right. shock. I mean Henley yeah. and, and Bland. So I mean none of us took them. Um, none of us took Bubba. What are your thoughts on Bubba this week? Only two shots back. I thought about taking Bubba. Bubba loves this course and, you know, shot a 67 today. That was some really, really good golf. And if he can continue to putt like he is, then he's definitely one to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I thought about Bubba too. I I just historically have a hard time picking Bubba having in the faith US in Open. Bubba. It, it's so Especially hard. Especially in the U.S. Open. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you never know what will happen. And, you know, Sam, we both picked two guys at even with DeChambeau and Morikawa. And, and my boy Bazain who's standing there at even. Don't be surprised, surprised if he makes a run. I'm, yeah, I'm a little surprised no one took Scheffler. Uh, I, the Scheffler, I was going to ask about him, but how about No one the, took Kepka. I, I was going to no say, one took the, the other two guys down at even that yep. you're looking well, at. Well, because you're Kepka. having to give away shots. So, I mean, you know, you're having to give away four shots on Wolf, and, you know. And so. what and what about uh, Justin Thomas down there at even too. None of us Thomas picked, none of us picked him too. too. I think that goes to show that for one, anyone who's doing this pool, I mean, there's so much volatility in who you can pick. It's so a that, fun that game. makes it interesting. Yeah. You know, and go ahead, Chris. We're reminded today about Justin Thomas. Speaking of him, did you see him hold that bunker shot today? I mean, it's How just pure silly. was that? Yeah. When, when you see some of the shots, did you see Phil with the flop shot at number eleven? Now yeah. only bogeyed the hole. Uh, but but Phil putting on a show around the green. Then he has the flag pulled late and and burned the edge on one from off the green. Uh, burned the edge again at 18 on the long putt at 18. These guys were reminded how talented. I mean, when you're watching guys like like Phil Short Game or Justin Thomas, the things that he can do just talent-wise on, on various shots going through a golf tournament, um, that's that's why I love to watch the game. Unbelievable. To watch guys like and, this. And it's not even the, the stars. We, we saw Kevin Nye hit one of the craziest flop shots yesterday that I've ever seen in my life. He threw it up about five stories high. That's what I was about to say. It, it was dropped one, down to a foot. Literally just went straight up in the air. It was in the air for, what, seven seconds or something like that? That was so unnecessary, first yeah. of all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it worked what, out. Whatever you got to do to get the uh, to get the ball close, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, one thing that um, – you know, one thing that's caught the golf storylines, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, something, man. Um, Colby's not here. We'll talk about it with him on on Monday. But one of the biggest things that came out was PJ Tour outlawing these green reading books. What What are your thoughts on this, something, man? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, I I don't know. To me, let's. I I think they're taking too much of this. I think a, a green reading is a skill. You know, so it shouldn't be done for them. So, yeah. what, now, what do you think, Sam? Because I, I have some interesting points. About okay, it, so, go ahead. so first of all, I love it, and I think it will help pace of play unless now unless they allow them to make their own green reading books. Are are they going to allow that? See that? See that's what I was I see that's what I was going to ask is because the book may not be allowed, right? But like you know, the Straka book, and to to explain to everyone what it is, it's basically they go in with like sonar, you know, like radar, basically, and they. Uh, map out each green, and it looks like a like a I don't know top topography map yeah, or yeah, whatever. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so basically, it gives you a number of how steep each slope is, and it gives the arrow on each foot of of how it breaks on the green and everything. And some of these guys read it like it's religion, and some guys don't really ever use it, you know. And so I was more toward the 
toward the, you know, I trust my eyes more than the book. However, guys like DeShambo or guys that are a little more technical uh, like to just totally rely on it. And I think it can fall somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, where it's actually good right now while it's legal. However, now that it's not legal, I, I, I actually really like it. Well, you know, here, here's a couple points I make about it. One is that, from the way I understand it, this is a PGA rule, not a USGA rule change, from okay. the way I understand it. So, which is very similar to, a lot of people don't know this, you're actually allowed to practice putt and chip around a green in a non-PGA Tour, non-big sanction event. It's rule 7-2, you're allowed to do that. But on PGA Tour, you're not allowed oh. to. And so, this, I didn't know that. it'll be interesting to see if the USGA implements this, because one of the rule changes the USGA made back whenever they tried to make the rules easier, which is the last thing that they did, um, <laughs> th- they changed it to where the strike of books could only be within a, a five-yard um, square radius thing. You know, like, so whenever you look at a book, you'll see the squares, and they look... Each um, square, it's like a grid. Each a gr- square is either a yard or a foot, or what What'd you say, five feet or uh, five, five, five yards? Five, five pace, yards, Five yeah. paces is, okay. what, is what they're supposed to be measured with now. And so the way I see it is, is that... You know, the strike, it's it's a whole business. Like, they're not just going to stop making books, right? So I'll tell you this. When I went and caddied for Brad Dalkey up in Chicago for that Corn Ferry event, the first thing everyone does after registration is go get go to the Straka guy and buy a Straka book for that week. And here, here's the question I ask because you're allowed to make notes in a yardage book, right? I mean, that's we all do it. You think Bryson or Brooks or any of these guys, who, I don't think Brooks uses it that much, but any of these guys who want to use it, won't pay someone a couple hundred bucks to literally go in and trace the whole book for them to use on the green. It's just yeah. handwritten notes. That's a good point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Plus, you know, like, is it going to make practice rounds miserable for these guys? Well, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but, you know, they have that tool where it's a little square box or whatever, yeah. and you can put it on the Set green. Set it on the green, and it tells you the numbers yeah. that would – be on the book. So, the, I mean, that's like doing your own personal a homework. A lot of guys that use Aimpoint use that. Yeah. And to so, practice, you know, the Aimpointing. It, it's a really confusing thing, but basically, you know, you, you practice feeling the slope with your feet, yeah. uh, and they use that number So, what thing. you're saying, T-Dub, it's going to be a tough thing to outlaw. Yeah, because yeah. I, I just feel like, like if, for example, if, if the Straka book was a specific book, yeah. and they say, oh, you can't use this, you have to use this other yardage book, well, I'm going to get the other yardage book. I'm going to find my caddy or my stat right. analyst, whatever you. it is. Hey, trace these numbers in here so I have them. So I don't know exactly how much the outlaw will actually help. Because I like the idea of it, though. I like the idea of, you know, outlawing it. Well, I, I just, tough to enforce. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if it'll be one of those things where, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what is the what would be a good analogy. Um like, I'm not asking for a club choice. That wouldn't be a very good one. Um, I can't really think of a good analogy right now. But it's just one of those things to where how can you enforce it? Because are you yeah. going to look at everyone's yardage book before they play and see if how much they've no, marked? And you have to have green, like the green mapped out on yardage books. You have to, yeah, because you yeah. have to know how many paces it is to a, a corner for an edge. And so, yeah, I think it would be interesting how they enforce it. That That's the main thing that I'm worried about. Or what if they outlawed yardage books and and, uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> outlawed yardage books and you could only use lasers now? Wouldn't that be something? Talk, no. talk about a total 
uh, game changer. I'm being totally facetious. I know, but, be, but, but you know. The, they just, we just go so far over the line that we There's just no go. way. Basically, my point is you can't enforce it. Now, the more that I think about it, because guys are either going to take more time during practice rounds and make their own Straka books or quote-unquote Straka books, and, you know, there's no way. Or they trace the old ones or whatever. That's a good point. I never even thought about that. Because, like, right now you can go on the Straka website, and most courses, they don't even have tour events on. You can get books for them. I mean, yeah. I mean like I said, Straka's not going to go out of business. They're going to keep selling their books, so you can get the information at any time. Where so. it became a big problem to me is in college golf when these, these guys would, uh, you know, not even look at their book until – you know, it was their turn to putt, and then they look at their book, and it's just a whole process. I mean, we saw it with Bryson that one time. He took, like, two minutes to hit a putt or whatever. You know, I, I think that there has to be something done because that's where we get most of our slow play from is on the greens. Yeah, and, you know, I, I agree I agree with Huntman in the sense of it's just uh, reading greens is an art. And, you know, like, for example, we'll see – uh, the players on the range with their range or uh, with their launch monitor, seeing how far they hit it. Well, they're not they're not placing that out there whenever they hit each shot and seeing how far their ball goes, and that's not real time information. That's just them practicing. So I, I think that that's um, you know a whole different area of it. So I just think that on the course, it's just entirely different. So. Yeah, that was great stuff today, guys. I just saw my dad check the Clippers score on his phone, and he gave a little fist pump. <laughs> I, I figured that's what you're giving a fist pump about, right, Dan? Of course, of course. <laughs> the Clippers are up 116-108 right now. We're doing a little late night, uh, halfway through the U.S. Open podcast, but here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all uh, to go to at the 73rd hole on Twitter and Instagram and give us a follow. Uh, Go to golfoklahoma.org and find us right there on the front page. And then go to Apple or Spotify and and give us a subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. You don't have to pay anything. It just notifies you when we drop a new show and it helps us out. Uh, And then we will be picking uh, a few people that are following us on Twitter and Instagram and that are also subscribed uh, to our podcast to give away some cool stuff uh, after the play ends on Sunday night uh, for the U.S. Open. Uh, So, for Sam Humphreys and Taylor Williams, Dad, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. That was really fun stuff. I know it's way past your bedtime, but... It's always an honor to have you on, Hump Man. (laughs) Everyone will be very happy next week when Colby (laughs) returns. Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. Absolutely. We very, very much miss Colby, pal. It's, it's, you know... Trying to produce a show is just so underrated. It, there's a lot of moving parts and everything, and and Colby is by far a wizard at it. And, well, at yeah. least he took time to call us last show, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking time to call in, Colby. But we definitely miss you. It'll be good to have Colby Powell back on Monday. We will do the full recap show uh, on Monday after uh, the U.S. Open ends. What's up, T-Dub? Also, I was going to mention, Colby got to play uh, Prairie Dunes yesterday on Thursday. So we'll get... Uh, he we said were, he we'll, shot an 82. That's not bad for not, not bad for old Colby. You know, he Especially went, at Prairie Dunes. He went 38-44, so he kind of blew up on the back nine so we'll give him a little crap about that but uh but no well i won't because we were up there covering it so we'll get to a little uh, little insight on how the course actually plays so that'll be cool to hear from him that will be really really cool stuff and we'll give you obviously uh the update on the corn ferry with all the oklahoma guys up there in contention on monday and his man uh, sebastian munoz finished plus six <laughs> missed the cut, huh? after that, after being two under yeah, there for a right, while right yeah 
He had a tough day today. Missed the cut. That's a bad pick by Colby. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, his winner of the tournament, Matt Jones, is still up there. So anyways, uh, for Sam Humphreys and Taylor Williams and Craig Humphreys, this was the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.